Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Put anxiety, worry, and fear in their rightful place. Be strong and use courage over fear. I don't know about you, but I get overwhelmed. Anybody get overwhelmed? You know what overwhelmed feels like? Feels like there's so much in your brain. You don't know what you're going to be able to do with it. It's just so much in your brain. Anybody have too much in their brain? Right? So I have a theory and I have a premise this morning, and I'm going to tell it to you right up front so you can start to argue in your brain with me even before I finish what I'm going to say to you. But I think we're overwhelmed because we just have too much information. There's just too much stuff out there. And the problem is that because the information is out there, we think we need to know it. Do you think it's some of the useless information that you know? Like last night I read a Facebook post about some guy who, you know, restored his hard drive in some miraculous way, as if I care. I mean, I'm happy for you, but why do I need to know? Except there I am on my Facebook, and I'm scrolling through my posts, and I'm hearing all the intimate details of your life. And truthfully, I don't give up. I I don't know what I'm supposed to say there. I don't know know what the Baptist word for that is, but whatever it is. So listen, I want to prove it to you, okay? So just show. I got a slide, so we're going to bring up slide number one. And, uh, oh my goodness, okay, I can go over here and read it. Okay, listen, I don't even know what this is, but 2.5 exabytes. You know what a terabyte is, right, or a megabyte? But this is an exabyte. Never heard of it before. There are 2.5 exabytes are produced every day of data, which is the equivalent to, are you ready? 530 million songs, 150 million iPhones, 5 million laptops, 250,000 libraries of Congress. It's where every book ever written is stored. 90 years of HD video is produced every single day. Okay, so I broke that down, okay, because I'm a mathematical genius, right? No, I, thank you. What? What? You, know, you know me too well. What's going on? Okay. So there are 1,440 minutes per day. So that means there are approximately, are you ready now? Listen, 1,200,000 new data producing social media users every day. 656 million tweets per day. One of them is Donald Trump. More than 4 million hours of content are uploaded to YouTube every day with users watching 5.97 billion hours of YouTube videos every day. 67 million Instagram posts uploaded each day. There are over 2 billion monthly active Facebook users. Facebook has 1.3 billion daily active users on an average as of June 2017. 4.3 billion Facebook messages posted every day of which I must read a million of them. 5.75 billion Facebook likes every day. 
22 billion texts sent every day, 5.2 billion daily Google searches in 2017. The US porn industry released 13,000 pornographic movies each year. That's an average of 35 movies a day. The most popular adult site in the world is a webcam site, which gets around 32 million visitors a month, or almost 2.5% of all internet users. So listen, if that's not enough, here we go. More data will be created in 2017 than in the previous 5,000 years of humanity. That's from Apple Developer Magazine. 90% of all data has been created since 2016. That's from IBM. And there are 3.8 billion internet users, an increase of 42% in the last year alone. I mean, I read that, I'm going, Now listen, information is a good thing. How many of you would agree that information is a good thing? Okay, information is a good thing, except when you have too much of it. Except when you have too much of it. And what I'm proposing today to when I'm talking about anxiety, worry, and fear, I'm, I'm talking about the fact that you and I are addicted to information. And really... Truthfully, it's not your fault. It's not my fault either. Because we're being manipulated to think that I need to have all of this information. I need to know it all. And I have to have it at my fingertips. And what's really fascinating about it, so we'll just take a little journey way back to the beginning, okay? When there was Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? And they were there, and you know what happened? You know, Eve kind of blew it and she ate of the apple. And, and really, when you think about it, Satan had come along, and in the story, he says to her, really, has God said that? God hasn't really said that. What he was saying, you know what, Eve? There's more information than you're getting, and you need to know it. It's really what he said. God's withholding information. And we go through, I do anyways, go through life thinking that I need more information. My other problem with information is the speed of information. Do you know how many people get upset when you don't answer their text right away? They text you and they go, oh, stop the world, man. I got to know how to do this. Answer my text. What are you doing? I'm answering your text. Please. Email. Get hundreds of emails every day. People expect them to be respond. But the question is not the information. The question is the amount of useless information that's in our brain. It's the amount of information that doesn't need to be there. It's the amount of information that we hold and we hang on. Listen, the average teenager texts close to 35,000 times per month. And that's an old piece of data because I couldn't get a new one for 2017. That's down around 2014. So I can only imagine what it is now. Pieces of useless information. Now, one of the greatest gifts that God has given to humanity is the gift of choice. One of the greatest gifts that God has given to you and to me is the gift of choice. Now, we know that the gift of choice can be used incorrectly because we saw that. Many, how many of you have used your choices incorrectly? Anybody ever abused and made a bad choice? Yes. Gift of choice is incorrectly. But the fact that God gives us the ability to choose means that we have the power within us 
to make choices about what is gonna go into our brain. Last week, we talked about having too many choices. I hope some of you did something about that and not just took in some more useless information. And now that I know one of my problems is I have too many choices. Today, I wanna propose to you that we have not only too many choices, but we have too much information. And here's the big idea. My whole series, this whole series rests on this little, little point right here that you can't take it all in and have the peace of God. You have no room to put it. You can't just keep taking in all of this available information in your life and just keep putting it inside you because you, your mind needs to do something with the information and your mind is gonna play with that information. It's gonna think about that information. It's gonna wanna do something with that information. And if you take it all in, there is gonna be no space in your brain to have the peace of God. Uh, I think it was Socrates who said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And what I propose is this, is that far too many of us don't live a life that's examining in any light. We're not examining our lives. We're not, we're not looking you know, critically, and I don't mean negatively, but I mean with critique. It, it, how are we actually living? What am I actually doing? So today my burden, and it is such a big burden because it's such a big issue for me in my own life, is if I want the peace of God in my life, I have to make room for it. The only way I'm gonna make room for it is to get rid of useless information. Before you can change what you take in, you have to know what you take in. Before you can change it, you have to become aware of it. You have to suddenly realize, oh, I'm taking this in. You know, years ago in our family, and it's a wonderful illustration. My wife used to subscribe to Cosmopolitan magazine. I don't know if anybody even knows Cosmopolitan. Is it still around as a magazine? So it was a magazine designed for women, and it was all about things like how to have an affair and your husband and don't get caught. <laughs> it was all about you know, what to wear and what's hot and what's not hot. You know, my wife came to me one day and she said to me, you know, I need to stop subscribing to this magazine. Because while there are some really good things in it, there are also these articles within it that are putting in my brain some stuff I don't need to know. Because I don't need to know how to have an affair on you and not get caught. Yeah, my ma- mine was not as, as difficult. Mine was, mine was boating magazines. I used to subscribe to eight or 10 or 12 boating magazines. Is there anything wrong with subscribing to a boating magazine? No, except that I have a magnificent boat and I didn't need a bigger one, except every time I read the boating magazine, I kept going, oh, oh, they make it like that? Oh, I could get that in the next one? You mean a bigger boat is really better? Yeah, I even stopped going to the boat show. I used to like going to the boat show until I realized when I came home from the boat show, I was really unhappy with what God had given me. And I have no reason to be unhappy with what God has given me, except I am allowing some input. You know, you, you, know, you watch CNN, right? 
CNN should be RBN, really bad news. <laughs> or maybe some of you watch Fox, you know, really bad news from a different perspective. I, I don't know. But you know, I watched, I watched CTV News last night because it's a little bit of a habit that we do. And when I got to the end of it, I said, why do I need to know that? What was in the newscast that I really needed to know? I cannot do anything about what's going on in Ethiopia. I can't do anything about Mr. Madabi getting elected as an ambassador of the World Health Organization, perhaps one of the most violent men in current history. I can't do it. Why would I need to know that? So I could tell it to you today, so now that you know another piece of useless information about Mr. Madabi and, and Zimbabwe. Why, why? The question for me is, why do I need to know that. So the question is, what kind of priorities are we going to set about the information that comes into our brain? Because here's the problem, I don't know if you have it, but here's the problem I have. Maybe you have it. See, I let the devil in, and then I try to pray him out. (laughs) Right? I let all this junk and all this crap and all this stuff in my brain and I take it all in, and then I wonder, why am I disturbed? Like, why am I disquieted? You know, one of the Psalms of David says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? You know, why, why do I feel restless? Why do I feel anxious? Why do I feel worried? And then I start praying, oh God, take away my anxiety. And God says, turn off the darn TV. <laughs> you know, God, take away my anxiety. Quit watching your social media every two minutes. So here we are, you know, and, and, and I, I believe all of us are well-meaning people. I believe every one of us, you know, in the room are desiring to live lives that would honor God at whatever level we are in that, in that journey, and we're all struggling, and here we are trying to pray our well selves into wellness, and God says, listen, there's a few choices that you need to make. There's some things you need to stop doing. You can't do anything about what's going on. I mean, if Mr. Trump and Rocket Man decide, you know, to go at it from nuclear war, tell me what you're going to do about it. You know? I mean, if anything happens, listen, if anything happens, you're going to be vaporized in an instant. You're going to see Jesus. I mean, I, I, you know, but here we are, right? We're all worried. I mean, I, I got a nine-year-old granddaughter that comes home and talks to me about Donald Trump. You know, and and I thought, why are these kids at nine years old worried about nuclear war? Oh, please help me, Lord. Why are they? I I look at the starvation in the world and I go, I can't do anything about that. But I feel anxious about it. I feel worried about it. You know, I had a music teacher once. Her name was Loretta Mustard. And, And when I would go into her house, she used to collect newspapers. I mean, literally, you had to walk through piles of newspapers. Everywhere, there were piles and piles and piles of newspapers. She just liked collecting the news. Why? For what reason? Now listen, I'm not saying don't be informed. Please don't read the other side of this. What I am saying is for you in your life, where are you are right now, you may name me, you may need to make some serious choices about the information that is coming in. What can you do about terrorists? What can you do about wildfires? Do you know where it gets me? It gets me right here. 
I got my cell phone, I love my cell phone. I'm passionately in love with my cell phone. You know? Next to God, next to my wife, next to my children, next to my grandchildren, next to all of you, I love my cell phone. I love my cell phone. Do you know that I get, every week, I get, how to build your church stronger, how to make more disciples, how to get volunteers, how to do better music, how to preach better sermons. I got all these people offering seminars and all of this stuff. And I started to get freaky. And I started to think, okay, I got to build a church different. I got to do something different. I got to preach better. I got to, music's got to be better. Hey, Betty, you got to get more volunteers. We need more discipleship. You, gotta go. you know what I did Saturday? I sat out in the island and I took out my phone. And as every one of those locked in, I hit unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe unsubscribe, 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 I'm done. Why? Because it's frustrating me. So if it's frustrating you, do something about it. So we've been looking at Joshua and the children of Israel. And we've been looking at their journey to the promised land as an allegory for life. And in Joshua 1 and 13, here's the promise that we've kind of hit on. Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you saying, the Lord your God is providing you, what is it? A place of rest and will give you this land. There is God's promise to you. God wants you to be restful. He wants your mind to rest doesn't mean that he doesn't want you to work hard, doesn't want you to accomplish, doesn't want you to achieve, do the, the, you know, the vision that God has put in your mind, but he doesn't want it done in a way that creates anxiety, worry, and fear. And so the difference becomes God wants to give us rest. Now, how does God give us rest? Well, one of the fascinating ways is still found in that Joshua passage, Joshua 1, verse 6 to 9. So here's some words we know. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and be very courageous. Now notice this. This is where you want to make the mental notice. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law, if you want to translate it into modern terms, the word of God shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. What's the term? Day and night, night, so that you may be careful to do according to, next word, all that is written in it. Now, here's the prepositional phrase, right? For then, okay, if you do that, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The very heart of the nation of Israel entering into God's rest was based on their obedience, their knowledge of the word of God. It was putting the word of God in their minds that was part of the process of coming to rest. So here's what I found about myself, and maybe it's true of you. 
that what happens to me is I have faith, but I often don't feed it. And because I don't feed it, I become fearful. And I believe that I can draw a correlation between the level of my anxiety, worry, and fear, and my level of time that I spend in God's word. I believe there's there's a direct correlation, there's a direct link between those two. And when I say I don't have time to spend in God's word, boy, there's a lie that my little brain can tell me. I just drop my cell phone in the toilet and I'd have lots of time to spend (laughs) in God's word. I just don't have to look up the next stupid thing I saw on TV on the internet to find out whatever that means. How many ways do I need to know to cook my roast? I don't know, if you go on Cook It Right right now or whatever the website is, there's a couple of hundred ways you can scroll through to find out how to cook your roast. So I believe with all my heart that we have faith and we have good intentions as people. But if we don't feed the faith and we're not in the word of God and the word of God is not in us and we don't take time to meditate, that just means soak in it. You know, it means time to spend some time in it. If we don't do that, then our anxiety and worry and fear increases to the proportion that our study of the word of God decreases. And the problem is, when you and I have faith that we don't feed, what develops in us is darkness. It's exactly what happens in us. We become dark. Unless you're a moody person like me, maybe you'd understand what it means to feel dark. Okay? I get melancholic, I get dark. You know, the world starts to get tainted. You know, I see everything through, through clouds, gray clouds. And partly our life comes from that because A, we haven't controlled the information inside us and we're trying to live on some kind of leftover faith that's gonna push it out here and hope that I, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. We'll talk about that. And don't be anxious about anything. We say, well, that doesn't work for me. Well, of course it doesn't work for you because you're feeding this part of your brain with tons of anxiety information and you're not feeding the part of your brain that needs to be fed by the word of God. So just to remind you what Romans 10 and 17 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. For you and I to have faith not to be anxious Whatever we're facing, a job loss, a health crisis, challenge with our children, whatever it may be, for you and I to to even have a hope of facing that with a faith that would not fall into anxiety, I have to know what the word of God says because the word of God is alive in a way that no other book is alive. Look what Hebrews 4.12 says. For the word of God is, what is the word? Alive and what's the word? Active. It does something. You can read about the word of God and you can read your daily devotional about the word of God and all that's really nice, but you need to read the word of God. Our daily bread hasn't promised anything to you. You Neither has any other website promised anything to you. 
what is promised to you is to read the word of God because it is active and alive. Now look at this, look at this promise it makes. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirit. So the truth of the matter is you can't divide the soul and the spirit. It's just the way it is. But he says it penetrates, it could. The joints and the marrow of your bones. It, now listen, it judges what? The thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's, it's the word of God that speaks to you. But if there's no space in your brain for it, if there's no time in your brain for it, if the rest of the information coming in is like, like a fire hose of negativity, and you've got like 10 minutes in the word of God, and you've got 150 minutes of some other stuff coming into you, is it any wonder that anxiety is the prevalent disease of modern society? It is a disease for a reason. It's, it's hurting us for a reason because the enemy of your soul would love nothing better than to make you anxious, worried, and afraid because when we're anxious, worried, and afraid, we get sick because every bit of anxiety, every bit of worry, every bit of fear has a physical manifestation somewhere sometime in your body. So if you just want to be sick, keep on doing what you're doing. Psalm 119 verse 11, I really like. He says this, I have hidden my word in your heart that I might not sin against you. We all struggle against sin. We've all got those issues. Anger issues, issues. They're there, addiction issues. The Bible says, you know what? If you would soak in the word of God, and you know what soak is? Everybody know what Calgon, take me away? Is that commercial still on? (laughs) Bath soap, sit in there. We don't use Calgon, we use Epsom salts. If you want to have a good bath, have a bath of Epsom salts. Throw a little borax in there just to make it really nice. <laughs> trust me, trust me, just a little capful. And, uh, but you know, you need to soak in this word. And, and the enemy of life will do anything to not get you to soak in the word of God, including chasing rabbit trails, you know, to find out the latest bit of information somewhere. That's what he's gonna do to you, right? So I don't know if you've heard this phrase, but you can't out-train a bad diet. So what, you can't out-train a bad diet. What it means is, it doesn't matter if you're gonna eat pizza, ice cream, and Oreo cookies. It doesn't matter how much you go into the gym. You're not gonna get any better if you keep eating pizza, you know, cookies, and pizza, and cake, and donuts, right? So it doesn't matter how much you train, you're still not gonna be well. So here's the truth. It doesn't matter how much you want to have more faith. It doesn't matter how much you want to be less anxious or less worryful. If you don't train to be less anxious, if you don't train to be less full of worry, and you continue to train to eat your bad diet of negative input and too much information and useless and unnecessary stuff, then you'll never become the person that you hope to become. It's just categorically impossible for you to pray the devil out when you're the one letting him in. It can't happen for you, okay? There's no magic pill. You can't come to the front, you know, 
get prayed for, get slain in the spirit, do whatever you want to do. See, that can't happen. It can't happen. It can only happen because you choose. So I'd like to help you choose this morning. Can I do that for you this morning? I want to help you choose, okay? I think it may be in your notes as well. I know it's in your small group notes, but it may be in your handout as well. I got some action steps for you. The first thing I want you to do this week is do an intake inventory. Just get a piece of paper and write down what goes into your brain. Write down every magazine you read. Write down every show you watch. Write down every time you're on your social media. Write down when you go on the net looking up stuff. And because I don't want you to suddenly become a hermit. Say, I'm dropping out of the world. I want no more information. I'm just going to be holy. So shut the world, you know. Stop the world. I want to get off. Old musical. No, no, we can't do that because there's information you and I need. But the question is how much of it. So number two then, once you make that inventory, is choose what's really important in your life. What information is really important to you to know? Now, that's going to be hard for you because I'll tell you something, you think every bit of information is important. Your brain does. Your brain does. Your brain wants to know it all, okay? Your brain wants to know it. So you're going to have to get disciplined. You're going to have to ask yourself, is this, is this information doing me any good? Like, is this information making me stronger, making me healthier, making me holier, making me happier? Or is this information creating discontent? Is it creating, you know, upset? Is it making me worried? Is it making me anxious? Or you could even ask yourself, do I even need it? Do I even need it? So when we left church last week, one of the guys uh, grabbed me outside and, uh, and he wanted to talk to me. Just let me have a drink for a second. And, uh, and he said, you know, I really like what you said about choices. He said, I've been working on my mind because I found that my anxiety was such that it was actually hurting my marriage because I became unhappy, dissatisfied. It was just, it was just hurting my marriage. And he said, what I needed to learn to do, are you ready for this, was embrace the boredom. Embrace the boredom. So what if your mind is still? So what if you're not thinking about something? If you want the peace of God to fill it, the step between too much information, getting rid of information, is a moment in time called boredom of of just nothing. Let me tell you something. I've been trying to embrace the boredom all week. Is that ever hard? My mind is so addicted to being busy. Just to sit and not pick up my little phone, just not go on the internet. Just, just, oh my gosh. Embrace the boredom. Well, make room for your mind to rest. Here's what I put underneath it. Make room for peace. And listen to this. Remember your purpose. God's purpose for you is to give you rest. Because when you experience rest, you experience peace, you experience health. We are unhealthy because we're not resting. We're not giving our mind an opportunity to be renewed and to be refreshed. So when you're embracing the boredom and you're finding it so hard not to reach for that or click on that or or go do that, 
and you're just doing one thing at a time. You're just staying focused on one TV show and not doing social media and something else while you're watching TV. You're just focused, and hopefully the TV show's a reasonable show. Right? <laughs> but just embrace it, because the purpose here is that God wants to give you rest, and when he gives you rest, you're gonna be healthy. D, love the process of listening to God. What an exciting thing to finally hear from God. Somebody said to me, how do you hear from God? I have no idea. You just, you just hear from God. You just hear from him. Some people hear from him audibly. They make me nervous, those people. <laughs> they do. But sometimes, you know, just down deep inside, you hear those words, it's gonna be okay. I don't have to worry about that. Or you're reading your Bible and out of, out of it pops, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You go, ah, yeah, I get that. I can do that. And the last part of that is, is start slowly. Start slowly. Anytime you're trying to change a behavior, it's really, really hard to just suddenly go, boom, I'm not gonna do that anymore. Start slowly. Don't be upset with yourself. And number four is this, feed your faith. I had a great summer experience this year because I found Psalm number 19. And, and in my summer experience, I've been, trying to, I've been trying to read the word of God in the morning and in the evening. Remember it says meditate on it day and night? I've been trying to do that. And I told you before, I live in the Psalms because I love it, but I found Psalm 19. And I want to share my, this is what I lived in all summer long. I read this every day of the summer. I read it. The law of the Lord is perfect. Look at that, refreshing the soul. Isn't that beautiful? The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. I need a lot of help there. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm. All of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold and much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey to the honeycomb. And then look at verse 11. By them your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. So that was a great part of the psalm that talked about the word of God. But here's the part that really kind of drilled into my spirit. Verse 12. But who can discern their own errors? Wow. Right? Would to God the gift he gives us to see ourselves as others see us. Robbie Burns. We never see ourselves the way we are, Right? Right? We just don't want to admit those flaws and those challenges. Right? So you say to the word of God, who can discern their errors? So God, forgive my hidden faults because I tell you, I'm blind as a bat to them. Just ask my wife. Yeah. Right? And here's the word of God that says, hey, look, at, I can't see some of that stuff that's deep in my subconscious mind that pushes me to behave in certain ways. I don't know how to behave and I don't want to behave. And I don't know why, as the apostle Paul said, the good I know to do, I don't do it. And it frustrates me. Because why? Because it's somewhere deep inside the inner recesses of who we are and how we're wired. And the word of God says, listen, listen I can help you there. I can help you there. I can help that part of you that we don't understand. He says, forgive my hidden faults. And then this next line just kind of blew me away. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Oh, you know what a willful sin is? 
I know I had choice, yes. I know I shouldn't do it, but I go ahead and I do it anyways. I just feel like doing it. Just feel like that donut. Doesn't matter, I'm not supposed to have the donut. I'm just going to have that donut. I'll I'll have the donut, you know what, then I'll feel guilty afterwards. I'll have the donut. Then I'll feel guilty. I don't know about you, but guys, I don't know about you, but I have a problem with my eyes, see? I have wandering eyes. I don't want to say any more about that. I don't need to say any more about that. Wandering eyes. So I said, you know, I said, God, I just say it every day, 20 times a day. God, keep your servant from willful sins. May they not rule over me. It's my daily prayer. It's my hourly prayer sometimes. May they not, and it's been great. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. And then he closes with these words. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. That's all I want to be is pleasing to God. Do you imagine all of us in here just pleasing God? God looks down at every one of us. He says, yeah, it's my kids, man. Oh, I love my kids. Otherwise, he's looking down. Oh, no, what are they into again? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I got to send a pastor to preach on that. Oh, but just imagine, just imagine, just imagine what it would be like for you and for me to experience that peace. Because that's the motivation. That today you and I would just surrender our need to have all this information and make a choice to spend a little bit of time in the Word of God and allow that to soak into us and work the process and experience rest. Let's pray together. Lord, I know that you want rest for your people because you've said it again and again and again. I know, Lord, that lack of rest is the enemy of health and you desire for your people to be healthy. Today, Lord, as we've given out lots of information, may this information become transformation and not just information. Lord, stir our hearts today. Only your spirit can do it. In your name we pray. I invite you to join me in communion. Would you do that today? While you're doing that, and I talk to those of you that are at home, uh, if you want our small group notes, they're posted. The whole study guide for this series, one sermon at a time, is posted on our website at allnationschurch.ca. You can download them. They're absolutely free. And work through that. Work through the small group notes at home. Get some friends and work through them. And join us in communion. Do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you know that he loves you? And that all that he wants for you is the best. It's all he wants. He doesn't want you to live an angry, frustrated, disappointed, discouraged life. He wants you to live a life of joy and peace and rest. He wants you to fulfill your purpose. And he doesn't want you to fulfill your purpose with anxiety or fear or worry. He wants you to fulfill your purpose with joy. See, here was Jesus' purpose. I love this line, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and the shame. And I always say this, you are his joy. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, here, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Would you eat with me today? 
And this little cup is grape juice, so I'm hoping that everybody can participate in it. In this world, Jesus said, you shall have tribulation. And he said this, fear not, I have overcome the world. This is the cup, the blood of Jesus that has overcome the world. And Jesus says, I've overcome it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to fear it. You just have to trust it. Would you drink, please? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Put anxiety, worry, and fear in their rightful place. Be strong and use courage over fear.